If there's anything else we'll talk about more at the end of the lesson this morning, I want to move away from some things we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, something I think is important, and maybe I know we've talked about this before, but it just keeps coming up in various ways. And there's various names for this idea. It's often called illumination. In the denominational world, you will hear it referred to in various ways as illumination. And illumination is the belief that without the Holy Spirit speaking to you directly, you can't understand the Bible. So not only can you not become a Christian by reading the Bible, because you'd have to have the Holy Spirit to illuminate you as to what you're being told. But you can't read the Bible accurately until the Holy Spirit shows you what it means. Now, that may seem like an odd idea to you, but that is the most common belief in American Protestant religion. that there is. And really, in the Catholic Church, because there you can't understand the Bible unless the Pope or the Holy See interpret it for you. And you can't do it on your own. No man is capable of this because, and it, and it springs forth from very, um, ba- some basic principles. And I think there's a, I haven't got time to go into as detailed discussion of this this morning as I, as it's maybe important to do. We'll see how this works, but it is rooted in the teaching that man is totally depraved. And since man is totally depraved, he cannot begin to understand the scriptures. So it's common to call, as I say, it's often called illumination. There may be some other other names for it that I'm not aware of, but you'll hear it mentioned. Now then there's people writing today that are complaining that it's not talked about enough in Protestant circles. We need more teaching on illumination because people are getting the idea that they can read the Bible on their own and understand it. We want them to have that idea. So you got to preach more on illumination. Now we'll just see, it sounds like a good idea that, you know, when you read the Bible, that the Holy Spirit would help you understand what you read and you'd understand it. And that's a good, it sounds like a good idea, but when you do any kind of thought on this, to me, any kind of examination on that premise, you're going to be left with doubts about this, I believe. We'll look at some of those. Now, the question is, can we understand the Bible Without illumination from the Holy... Illumination means the Holy Spirit shedding light on it. You're in darkness and you need light, you see. A verse I want to start with and end with today is this passage in 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That would be, to me, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. That's what that means later in scripture. The Holy Spirit revealed these things to the prophets and to the teachers. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You'd have to insert here now, if you believe this doctrine, and the Holy Spirit then explaining this to you, right? The scripture is given, but it takes more than that. It would take the Holy Spirit explaining what you're reading to you. Doesn't say that though, does it? It says this scripture is given for these purposes, and I, you know, I preach sermons on this for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I know that that can be understood various ways, but I think, now, 
People say, well, you're not even illumined, Mike. You don't even claim to have the gift of the Holy Spirit. So how could you even understand that verse? Well, if you can't understand that verse, how can, you know, it just gets really self-contradictory. Why is God telling me something that I can't understand? And then is this scripture of any benefit to anybody who's not a Christian? The answer would be no. No scriptures of any benefit to anyone who's not a Christian already who has the power of the Holy Spirit because he couldn't understand it if he did read it. And I've had people that used to be members of this church who believe that very thing. There are people here in this area who teach this. So it's not an obscure doctrine somewhere that no person can take the Bible and read it and ever learn how to become a Christian or ever obey God unless the Holy Spirit or a Holy Spirit-filled teacher explains it to them. Then they could possibly understand it. Now, that sounds good too, except that when you begin to try to apply this practically, as we'll see in a moment, it just simply doesn't work. And the question is, what's, what's the proof for this? Well, one of the verses that is given it, it, as a proof of this is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4. And, and, and all this is based, as I mentioned a moment ago, before we go any further, on the idea that man's so corrupted that he, he can't possibly begin to understand uh, anything because he's in darkness. He's in darkness. Now, before we go on, I'm going to get to that at the end of the sermon here. Are people without the gospel in darkness? And the answer is yes. They are. Their understanding is darkened, it says in Ephesians 1. Well, okay, we agree with that. How do you get enlightenment then? Well, I think the scriptures teach that the Holy Spirit brought his word into the world, brought Christ into the world, and then the revealed the word to the apostles. And by reading that word that the Holy Spirit left, you get enlightenment. Is that not what Psalm says? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Oh, unless the Holy Spirit can explain it to you, you know, you couldn't see the light. It doesn't say you need the word of God plus then and who gives the word of God? Well, they're assuming when a person like me believes, for example, when I say read the scriptures, they think that, well, you read the Bible, but that's not the Holy Spirit. That's where the error is. That's wrong. That's incorrect. The, the Bible was given by the Holy Spirit for the direct purpose of giving light to people who are in darkness. That's the whole point of the scripture, to bring light to people in darkness. And so when the Holy Spirit revealed the scriptures, he was bringing the light to people in darkness exactly like they say we need. And it can be understood by people who read it. We'll come to that in a moment in the scriptures. But here's a verse, for example, that's used as a proof text. It really doesn't strike me as such, but this is the one that's used in major dissertations on this subject from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. You know that you were Gentiles, he's talking to the Corinthians, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now they say that verse means that no one can become a Christian and say Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit has enlightened him and explained what the Scriptures mean to him. That's not what that says. What that's saying is the Holy Spirit is the one in the broad general sense of revelation who revealed that Jesus Christ is God's Son through the revelation of His Word about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus and the apostles and the miracles. And therefore, when people say Jesus is Lord, they're speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. When a man says Jesus is Lord, he is saying the same thing as the Holy Spirit said, and that's the, what the revelation says. 
It doesn't mean that he can't say that unless he's had a miraculous revelation from God to believe that Jesus is the Lord. That's not what that verse, but that's how, that's the proof text is given. The other one, here's Henry Thiessen, who is a, you can read his commentary. He's an older Baptist scholar. He's a, he's got a lot of good things to say. He, he's very analytical. And I have his commentaries on Colossians and so forth. But here's what he says. The illumination of the Holy Spirit is vouchsafed to every believer, which will enable us to understand the revelation God has already made of himself, especially that revelation in the Holy Scriptures. And so you have this idea then that the Christian, not only is he miraculously converted by the Holy Spirit falling on him, but then everything else he ever learns about God, even if he reads it in the Scripture, the Holy Spirit has to reveal what the truth of that Scripture is to him in his mind. And so therefore, and they go on to say, no one can fully comprehend the meaning of the Bible unless he is regenerate. The blessed spirit is not only the true author of the written word, but he is also its supreme and true expositor. So the Holy Spirit not only authored the word, but he's the only one who can explain it to you. So when you read, you have to be waiting for the Holy Spirit to explain to you what you're reading. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit is active in people's understanding today about a lot of things, of course. And, uh, well, what, let's say you pray for, doesn't James tell us to pray for wisdom? I pray for wisdom every day. Okay? How's that going to happen? Well, I can say on one level, it happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. It does. God gives me wisdom by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, but you mean you get direct revelation? No, no. See, you're always assuming, if you're speaking with denominational people, that whenever they say Holy Spirit, they always, almost always, I should say almost always mean, a direct power operation of the Holy Spirit on your mind. That's the only way they can conceive of the Holy Spirit acting is through a direct means, not ever an indirect means like the Word. Although I don't think the Word is indirect. I think that is the Holy Spirit speaking. And so... If I say the Holy Spirit gives me wisdom, they think, oh, you got a revelation from God to give you wisdom. Well, if you believe that, if you believe this business of illumination, you shouldn't have a problem with me saying that, number one. You all like it upset about that when I said the Holy Spirit gives me wisdom. Well, if you believe this doctrine, that should be axiomatic, that if I do have wisdom, it comes through a direct revelation of the Holy Spirit because he would have illuminated my mind. I believe you get wisdom in a lot of ways. One of the ways is by life experiences coupled with reading the word and coupled with meditation upon that, understand it. And that's all the work of the Holy Spirit because the word of God has power. When these words in the text of the scripture come into my heart and I let them stay there and I meditate upon those and I accept them as being true, then I'm going to have in that the working of the Holy Spirit on my heart. Not a miraculous way, not a, not something against my will as an unregenerate man or whatever, but it's going to work on me. So yes, God gives you wisdom through the Word because the Word has power. The text has power in your heart because God put the Holy Spirit in the Word. It's the Holy Spirit that gave that Word. These words aren't like the words of reading C.S. Lewis who I quote all the time. Those words are powerful, they're good, but they don't have the power of the written Word of God because the Holy Spirit didn't write them. And I have seen this, so I would, 
it's off the subject. I've seen this so many times sitting at someone's kitchen table or wherever it would be, talking to them about the Bible or some scriptural thing, and I'm trying to explain something. And, and then I'll just take my Bible and turn it around and point to the scripture here. Say, read this and we'll talk about it. All of a sudden, there's understanding. There's power in the words that the Holy Spirit uses. So don't be alarmed if people say the Holy Spirit has power. He does. It's in His Word. And what is His Word? It's the written Word of God today that, that, that I need. And that will give me illumination. And so this is just simply, I, I agree with part of the statement that's up on the screen about the illumination of the Holy Spirit. But the, the illumination of the Holy Spirit that's given to every believer is given how? In the Word. Yes, he did give us the Holy Spirit to me. He gave it in his word that I have access to. Now he goes on to say that God had, the Holy Spirit has to explain the scriptures to you. Well, now that's a whole, that's what, that's what's under discussion today. So uh, will you go see, you go see HGC, HGC Mool, who is another denominational scholar, another Calvinist. He says every Christian must depend on the Holy Spirit for a correct view of the Scriptures. Now we're going to let that sink in a minute. So you, if you want to have a correct view of the Scriptures, you have to have the Holy Spirit explaining it to you. The Blessed Spirit is not only true, the true author of the written word, but also the extreme expositor, meaning he's going to explain it to you as you read it. You're going to get the revelation in your mind and heart that he wants you to have. Sounds good once again. You know, we're coming to the big... Can anybody see the big problem with this? How is it, if I was to examine it, that Thesen and Mool don't even agree among themselves what the Bible says about stuff? How is it that these men say we've got to have Holy Spirit illumination? They don't even agree about what it says. They teach different things. What are you going to do about that? That's a problem to me. That's a logical problem with this whole thing. Because if the Holy Spirit is helping you understand the word, then you would expect people to understand it, wouldn't you? But they don't. Here's a verse that's been used by people in this area teaching about this subject and others from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This, this verse is used to teach that a man can't take the Bible and ever understand what it means by himself unless the Holy Spirit explains it. And in the version that I hear, it means that usually a preacher that has the Holy Spirit can give it to them. I've, I've been told I'm not a Holy Spirit-filled preacher. That was meant to be a criticism. I'm not. I didn't altogether take it as such because I knew what it meant in their mind. But what that means is I don't assert my authority when I teach to you that God is telling me this directly by the power of the Holy Spirit. Except to say to you, what does the word say? Read the word. Understand the word. I believe when I do that, I am teaching you to understand and believe the Holy Spirit because he wrote that word. And you need to respect every every syllable of it. You need to respect it and, and obey it. What this here, Here's what this text is supposed to teach here according to this, when you read this. This text teaches... They say that the natural man, that's a man who's not a Christian, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So in other words, even to know what God is saying in the Word, you have to have 
spiritual discernment given by the Holy Spirit to understand them. But he who is spiritually ju- spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So this passage, especially verse 14, is used to teach that no man can take the Bible and become a Christian or know what to do at all unless the Holy Spirit uh, enters his heart, he's converted by the power of the Holy Spirit, then once he becomes a Christian, he's regenerated, and now he can understand the Bible. Okay? That's Calvinism, but that's also what's being taught by some brethren. Is that what it means here? All you, a, lot, a lot of errors I found over the years. If you are confronted with a verse that just, the application of a scripture that just doesn't seem correct to you, if you just read before or after that verse so often, you will find the teaching that shows you what it really means. And so if you go then to the next verse, or the next section there, chapter 3, uh, this should say 1 Corinthians 3, 1. It says 1 Corinthians 2, but it should say chapter 3, verse 1. Just go down a couple of verses from that verse 14 through 16. All right, let me fix that right now. That's not exactly multitasking, but it's the close I'm going to get today. It says here then, and I, brethren, Paul says to the Corinthians now, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Paul isn't saying that people that aren't Christians can't read the Bible, understand it. He's saying the Corinthians can't understand God's word because they're carnally minded. Not because they've been by nature made so they can't understand it and they're like brute dogs and cats, but because they have carnal desires that dominate their thinking. Even what Paul's saying to them can't be... And you know, if you say, well, all you really need then is a spirit-filled church. If we have a spirit-filled church, then we can understand the Bible. Can you name another church in the New Testament that had more spiritual gifts than Corinth? You think not... You think being a spirit-filled church would solve this problem of being carnal? It didn't. The Corinthians had more gifts than anybody else of the spirit. And he calls them carnal and babes. That's the same thing as saying they're the natural man. It's exactly parallel to what he said above that. The natural man. A man who is looking at the word of God with his own natural instincts, his own natural desires, doesn't really want to know what God says, wants to take the Bible and use it for his own advantage, or doesn't care what... No, he can't understand it. He can read it. He can intellectually understand it. But will he ever ever change him? The answer is no. Why? It isn't because he didn't have the Holy Spirit. It's because his carnal desires are in the way. The same thing is true with the Corinthians. If having the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit would help them understand the Bible, Paul would never have been able to write this verse. He would never have written this verse because they already are spiritual in the sense they have spiritual gifts. But they were still carnal, they're babes. They want they to take the spiritual gifts and use them to their advantage against other people. So the context shows you that this is not talking about a man who's trying out there in the world trying to understand the Bible and read on his own and become a Christian. That's not the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And yet that's a proof text. Well, I didn't even intend to go there really, but... So these scriptures, as we saw, are off, these proof scriptures are often interpreted and based on Calvinistic assumptions. And then you have misapplied texts like 1 John 16, 13. Here it is, here it is where Jesus says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. 
For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Now that verse, like a lot of other verses in those two chapters there, where Jesus is speaking to the apostles at what we commonly call the Last Supper, are taken out and applied to all Christians. Does the Spirit, does this verse promise the fact to every individual Christian that once they become a Christian, he will come into your heart and directly teach you all truth. So you'll know everything. That's how it's applied. That's, that's what they would like you to think that you can just become a Christian. And then when you read the Bible, he's going to guide you into all truth. So you got a question, just wait for the spirit to answer you there at the table and he'll give you the answer. And you can be guided into all truth. Is that what this verse is saying? I, I think the context here and all that is completely, uh, well, I don't say it's opposite of that. This is speaking to the apostles. He was saying, like he said in another context, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Okay? That's the context. So he's speaking to the apostles saying, I've got to go away. I can't stay here and teach you all these things. I've taught you some things, but I'm going to send a comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit directly to you apostles. And he's going to guide you into the truth. You won't even have to think about what you're going to say before kings. When you go before a king or a magistrate, you won't even have to think about what you say. I'll give it to you right there. Is that promise to you also? Not. That's a promise to the apostles. They then wrote down what the Holy Spirit told them. So yes, I believe we have been guided into all truth by the revelation of the scriptures. All the truth that God thinks we need to know. He just said, so that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. We started out there. That's what's been revealed through the apostles. But this promise that you're going to sit at your kitchen table and pray and God's going to guide you into all truth is not a promise given to you or any individual Christian outside of the apostles. And and so you see then, this is basically just a, a misinterpreted, misapplied text uh, from John 16. Now let's look at some reasons why this doctrine is problematic. The first one is, if you believe that the Holy Spirit gives you illumination when you read the Bible, or when you pray, and you can pray about something and get illumination if you believe that's what the Bible is promising you, wouldn't that make you infallible? Now, if you're infallible, you don't ever need to change your mind. When they claim the Pope is infallible, they got a problem because the Popes have changed their mind down through the centuries. But if you're infallible, you don't ever have to change your mind. I don't even bother trying to get you to change your mind because he's infallible, see? Just kidding. We know that's a joke. That's even worse than what I just said, isn't it? Oh man, I'm just getting deeper. But infallible means you're right, and you can't. You don't need to change your mind. So, when you apply this to the common Protestant person who believes in this illumination, sitting at their kitchen table reading, and they're reading the scripture, once they think they get what the scripture says that day, they need to write that down because they can never change their mind about that. They can't learn any more about it or grow because it's been revealed. There's no use in me studying about that issue anymore with them or even them studying anymore. The Holy Spirit's spoken on it. Just write down what you learned and you're done. Now, if that's not true, why wouldn't it be true? Is the Holy Spirit 
just going to tell you something that isn't true and you can change your mind later. And yet we know these very people. Uh, where does growth come in? You know, growth involves changing your mind about things. And so you do. That's where growth. But if you if you believe that Holy Spirit's illuminating you as you go along, I suggest you get a permanent marker, not a pencil. Remember we did our Bible class to get a pencil. Don't get a pencil. You don't need a pencil with an eraser. You need permanent ink if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And don't change your mind about it. You're done. If he says women can't be preachers, then you don't need to look at that issue anymore. Huh. Well, how you like that? I guess we don't, do we? I guess, I guess, I guess that's been settled, but we keep trying to restudy it. We keep hoping the Holy Spirit's going to say something different this time. Remember when, ah, time's going away, but you remember back in the Old Testament when Balak wanted the prophet Balaam to prophesy and curse Israel because he was afraid of them were going to come and take his land. He got this prophet and he kept trying to get the prophet, I'll pay you money to curse Israel. And so Balaam wants this money and he wants to be thought of as a smart guy. And so he says, yes, the Lord has spoken, but let me see tonight what more the Lord has to say. So he kept going back, hoping he'd get another revelation than the one he got. Because he wanted more of what the Lord... It's okay to want more of what God says, but not more because we want him to change his mind about something. But why wouldn't we be infallible if this illumination is true? It's a problem. And and then how, how do you know if you've been illuminated? How do you know? Or is it just bad tacos? that you ate that are making you think this or what is it? What is it? Is it the beginning stages of Alzheimer's as to why you sat there that night and had a vision or thought differently than you've ever thought? Anybody ever know people that begin down this road of dementia and suddenly you see changes in thoughts and changes in beliefs and changes in behaviors? Of course we have. It is a very troubling experience painful and troubling but if you're the, if you believe that the holy spirit's guiding this person and you've been gu- being guided whatever thoughts you come come up with is that the holy spirit how do you know it's the holy spirit and not something else there, there's an answer to that you know i'm not just throwing out a theoretical the answer is is it in the text of the scriptures there's the answer it's in the text that's where the answer is god's holy spirit's already revealed it to you. It's in the text. And so you can know that you've been illuminated. And so for that, there's, there's more to say about that, but we need to move on here. Uh, can you ever change your mind about anything? I think we kind of covered that, but that goes with that whole thing of, of changing your mind about anything that you go along with. Uh, what, what about this? Are all others wrong when they disagree with you then? Well, I was reading and I, and the Holy Spirit said, this is what this passage means. Okay. That sounds good. You wish that, I wish that you, you know, we all want certainty about things, except now the problem is once I take that position that the Holy Spirit's told me that's what this passage means, what am I going to do with that 
with other people and they're teaching something different than me or even slightly different than me. I've got to correct them because they're teaching against the Holy Spirit. And they may be sitting over there, this is the problem with this, in their office, having prayed for illumination and come to a different conclusion. So now what happens? Who gets to correct who? Once again, the answer is in the scriptures. Yes, if I understand the scripture correctly, and we all try to do that, others who disagree are wrong. I can say that. They're wrong. Now, that doesn't decide how I should treat them or what I should do, but they're wrong. And I've told you many times, okay, you can either agree with me or you can be wrong. That's your choice. I'm not going to force you. I say that. When I say, what, How can I say that? I, I can say that and smile. You know that I'm joking. Why? Only because you know that I don't believe in illumination. That's why. But if you thought I believed in illumination and that I was praying and studying maybe more so than any of you this week, and my conclusion of this matter is this, wouldn't you have to be at least a little concerned to disagree with me? If you thought the Holy Spirit was telling me directly this is what this verse means? I love it that these people use scriptures to prove that illumination exists without proving that they got that revelation from the Spirit in the first place. You know, how do I know that they're even interpreting the scriptures on illumination properly unless they can prove to me that the Holy Spirit, oh, you mean they need to do a miracle to prove the Holy Spirit spoke? Oh, you mean like the apostles did? Yeah, now I would believe them because the apostles did miracles and signs and show that what they were saying came from God. Then they wrote it down. The people telling me that the Holy Spirit is illuminating them aren't doing anything like that. And that's why they contradict one another. And, and that's why they disagree, but they you know, paper that over. When you start saying the Holy Spirit told you something, a guy like me is going to pay attention. And if you have respect for the word of God, you better pay attention to that claim that the Holy Spirit told me. Because that's not a trivial claim. The Holy Spirit told you to marry somebody. You, you better think a lot about that and whether you're going to divorce them couple more well I thought there were more how can the spirit be the author of conflicting doctrines of these illumined scholars that's a big problem how can the Holy Spirit see that was a problem in Corinth they had the Holy Spirit there but they had this guy saying this and this guy saying that and he says the Holy Spirit's not the author of confusion, but the author of peace. Peace in the Bible doesn't mean absence of conflict. It means unity, harmony. The Holy Spirit's the author of harmony. And if we would believe what the Holy Spirit said through the word, we could have harmony. But when we don't, we each have our interpretations. But, but how is it that the Holy Spirit can illuminate all these famous scholars, much less all the rest of us, when we read the Bible outside of our own understanding of it, if if this doctrine is true. And that's an important, that's an important distinction. It goes to this idea of whether we're sitting here expecting to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit when we decide what we're going to believe versus our study of it. Let me see if I can find this. I don't want, I know our time is about gone. I'm going to end this here real quick, but this is a rather lengthy, and I, I just printed out a page or two of it, of an article called Holy Spirit's Elimination by Alvin York. And it's interesting. The fellow is obviously very smart, but 
he quotes some of these verses that I was mentioning as proof of this doctrine of illumination. Here's an application he makes of this. See what you think of this. The illumination of Scripture may be a neglected subject today, but it's not really obscure or unimportant. I fear that a practical neglect of the need for the Spirit's illumination leads some in the evangelical world into a type of rationalism. Rationalism is the idea that the human mind can understand everything in the universe by itself. It doesn't need any special revelation from God. And I don't believe in rationalism to that degree. I believe the human mind was meant to understand the world that we live in and it can explain much, but there are things outside this world that God needs to reveal to us before we can really understand. In fact, all the important things in life God has to reveal to us. That's not the question. It's not a matter of you either believe in rationalism or you believe in in the miraculous gift of the Holy Spirit. The point I'm making is, yes, the Holy Spirit gives a revelation which is from God outside of man's understanding. The, re- the Bible is not rational in that sense that the human mind came up with it. But I can use my rational mind to understand it. That's the point. Can you use the rational mind God gave you to understand the revelation of the Spirit? And I believe the answer is yes. Even the things that come from another world uh, in the Scriptures that God, man didn't learn by science, I can believe those, understand those with my rational mind. And so he goes on to say, the popular of a of a the title of a popular apologetic work, evidence that demands a verdict. That's Josh McDowell's multi-million copies book, which is very good, by the way. It suggests that it will present evidence so persuasive that anyone reading it would be bound to become a Christian. I'm not sure that's what Josh McDowell says. What it says is here's he says here's the evidence of the resurrection of Christ and of the veracity of the Bible, and you if you read this, you'll be convinced it's true. It'll you'll be evidence greater than lack of evidence. It'll be a preponderance of the evidence, or even evidence beyond reasonable doubt in his estimation. But anyway, that kind of apologetics that expects anyone will become a Christian if only presented with the right evidence suggests a Pelagian understanding of conversion. In other words, what it, what he's saying, it Pelagian, he's saying that that kind of thinking means that. You can just preach the gospel, preach the word, and hearts that are receptive and understand it, if they understand it, that they'll become, that kind of, you don't, when you preach and you expect people to listen to what you say, the words, read the Bible, listen to the words, and become a Christian, uh, that's not spiritual to do that. You gotta, you gotta also pray that the Holy Spirit falls on them before they can be converted. That's what this is about. And he goes on to talk about this is, uh, I'm not going to read all this, but uh, he goes on to worry. There are, on the other hand, there will be some who will so secure in their conviction that what they believe is a spirit-given interpretation of a passage that they're immune to any instruction. Well, no kidding. No kidding some people will come away with the conclusion that they don't want to ever change because they got a spirit-filled interpretation of a passage and they're never going to change their mind. And they'll put themselves beyond instruction. He's worried about that. Well, the whole doctrine of, it, of illumination creates that problem. You can't expect me to believe in illumination and then me to willing to change my mind all the time and everybody else willing to change their mind when the Holy Spirit is supposed to have given it to me. And he says, well, you got even some people expect this private revelation, such as they're reading their Bible. I was reading my Bible this morning and the Lord said to me, blah, blah, blah. He said the ignorant twisting at their own destruction. 
That's exactly how it's used. That's exactly what they mean by it. What that tells me is this fellow, an intellectual, says, well, you know, I know that, I know that illumination thing is true, but you really need to depend upon experts like me to tell you what the, what the Holy Spirit says. See, it's like a lot of things. The experts have a right. Well, you need to go to the priest, the Catholic Church, let them tell you. Or you can become a Protestant and let some evangelical scholar tell you what to believe because the Holy Spirit told him. You got two choices there. Is that all your choices? It's not all your choices. Now, we need to stop this morning. And that's why I want to close with two scriptures here. First John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they have God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Just how would you test the spirits? Spirits are ideas. And the Holy Spirit has ideas he put out in the world, so does the devil. Puts ideas out in the world. You're going to hear these ideas. Test them. Test them. How would you do that? Wait to get a feeling that the Holy Spirit's telling you this? You don't think the devil can do that? Or would you test them by looking at the Word of God that's been revealed? And when you look at the Word of God that's already been revealed, you can test what those spirits are saying to you. See, that's what that verse is talking about. And then you have this closing passage here. Paul says in Ephesians 3, verse 3, beginning, how that by revelation was made known to me as an apostle, he's saying. That's the context anyway. Was made known to me as an apostle, the mystery, as I have written briefly already, which, by which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ, which other angels not made known to the sons of men, even has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles. Spirit's in this verse, isn't it? Where's the Spirit? The Spirit's the one revealing to the apostles and prophets. Then Paul says, we wrote that down. And you can read it, and when you read it, you can understand it. He doesn't say you can understand it if the Holy Spirit gives you the right interpretation. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, the Holy Spirit gave it to us apostles. We wrote it down, and now you can read it and understand it. That's illumination. And it's going to come out that it, it will be true in this sense then that that all all this, you still have the same problems of some people believe this, some believe that. But the truth is the text is still there. And we can still keep looking at that. And we can understand it alike. And that's why I want to close with this verse 17, 1 Timothy 3. He says the whole point of the revelation that he was making through the scriptures is the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. We can be complete, understand. So be careful about this doctrine. It goes around in various forms. It's got a lot of branches. And I we've only scratched the surface this morning. But be cautious about this. Yes, you need to read the Bible because the Holy Spirit gave it. You need to respect every word of it. You need to try to understand every word of it that you can. You need to try to apply that to your life. And you keep reading, asking for wisdom and understanding. You keep living the right life. You do that circle uh, in Colossians. You keep reading and applying and living and going back to the Word. You keep reading. Then over time, you will gain understanding. And that's the only thing that we have as humans. We're going to sing as we close this morning this song number 380. We thank you very much for listening. And, and we pray that... Perhaps we can help you this morning in some way. If this morning you'd like to repent of some problem or wrong that you've committed, if you'd like us to pray with you about how to how to deal with problems that you have, we'll pray with you this morning uh, as a Christian and, and we can know that God will help. And your brothers and sisters here can help you. 
if you'd like to become a Christian today and be baptized for the remission of your sins, we can do that too. All things are ready. So this morning you come, you'll be washed in the blood of the Lamb, rise, raise up to be a new creature. If you can help you this, with these things this morning, you come right to the front. Let's stand and sing.